If we stubbornly try and manage our, like if I am a four out of 10 at something, maybe I can become a six with enough management, but there's enough things that I'm a 10 out of 10 on or a nine or eight or whatever. And if I just double down and do twice as many of those things, some of those might produce $10,000 an hour, which is one of my claims is like, hey, you can find your $10,000 an hour activities What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth, build financial independence on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Mike Zeller. And today we're talking about how to find your zone of genius. That is what Mike specializes in. That's what he helps people with is finding their zone of genius. He is a successful uh, businessman and entrepreneur. He's gonna tell you more about the the businesses that he started, how he got started and all that great kind of stuff and, and the, the spark that brought him into entrepreneurship and really helped him scale in his business and then how he found that this is what he should be doing. He should be helping people like you find your zone of genius to take your wealth and your fulfillment in life to the next level. And, you know, I started studying these types of things a few years ago. And I'll be honest with you, when I started studying this stuff, I thought it was BS. I didn't believe it. I didn't think it was like possible. Or I, or I didn't think it was valuable. I thought it was, to be honest with you, I, th- I thought it was fluff, right? I, I didn't I didn't buy that, you know, we all had, as as Mike puts it, a zone of genius or, or something that we should be doing or how we can like scale our businesses in this case is a few things that we're talking about. And as I've continued to invest in real estate and, and build my real estate business and really focus on the things that I'm, I'm good at and I like doing, and we're going to talk about how to figure these things out for you, that's helped our business scale, helped us do more. And it's honestly, I'm having more fun with this stuff now too, as opposed to you know years ago when I was doing the things that I didn't want to do. And we're going to get into all of that, what that means for you and how you can scale in your real estate investing by identifying your zone of genius. So, so much great stuff in here. You're going to learn a lot. I'm your host, Taylor Loach. I'm a real estate investor and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate. If you're interested in learning more and applying to join our Passive Investor Club for access to passive commercial real estate investment opportunities, go to investwithtaylor.com. Once again, investwithtaylor.com. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps, helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy, happy feeling inside because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping Wall Street along with us. This is what it's all about is engaging, taking action, and getting to that next level. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, look the show up, The Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Hit the subscribe button and join us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday with our expert guests helping you get into real estate investing or take your real estate investing to the next level passively. That's what we're all about here. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more or a lot more, as the case may be, passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the into the tribe. The best way to grow your wealth, your satisfaction, in my opinion, is to help someone else grow theirs. And you can do that for one of your friends, maybe some of your family, by introducing them to content that you find valuable. And if you find this show valuable, please do share it. I appreciate that so much. Once again, our guest is Mike Zeller. Today, we're talking about finding your zone of genius. And we get into a lot of the details here. And years ago, 
I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't get this stuff. Right. But now I do, and I'm trying to get it more and I'm learning more from guys like Mike today. And you're going to learn a lot and it's helping me scale in my real estate. And I'm confident that understanding these things and taking action will help you scale in your real estate, no matter how you do it. So without any further ado, here we go with Mike Zeller. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Taylor, excited to be here, brother. It's uh, already been fun connecting backstage and can't wait to dive deeper. Hey, likewise, I'm having a great time so far, and I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot out of the conversation today and out of what you had to say. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, could you give us an intro as to you know, where you come from and what you're doing now helping people find their zone of genius? Yeah, two things I would describe myself as right now is I am a business architect, basically help people design uh, the business of their dreams around their deepest areas of gifting. Second thing is I am on a path to establish myself as America's number one expert at helping people find their deepest zones of genius and stay in those lanes instead of swimming in the lanes that they suck at. So, um, and I've started 16 other businesses, uh, been an entrepreneur for uh, 20 years now and uh, love the game of entrepreneurship. And I think it's the greatest game in the world. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm all about that. And I love learning these types of lessons because I think that helps us really get further in our entrepreneurial journey. So first, you know, tell us about zones of genius and kind of how you came to this idea and what that, you know, means. Yeah. I remember when I was 20 years old and I was a junior in college and I took the Myers-Briggs test. I was like, wow, this is really accurate. And this sounds like me. And then I read some of the other profiles. And I was like, no, that's definitely not me. <laughs> and, and I was like, all right, that was really cool. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder if there's other tests out there, other things, other ways you can see who you are, what on earth you're meant to do. And I was, I, I am a person who's been insatiably curious about a lot of things. And uh, my nickname freshman year of college was Socrates, as in Socrates, because <laughs> I have uh, these deep, long conversations about meaning and purpose. And then I got ended up later on getting my master's in Christian leadership and studying leadership really deeply. And uh, and but one of the core questions I kept coming back to, how do you know your purpose? How do you know your gifting? And, and then you read some of these books and they're like, yeah, you can make money doing your passion or no, you can't make money doing your passion or whatever. And uh, I was like, you know what? There's, there's got to be a way to synthesize the clues about your life. And, and they're kind of scattered all about. And it's like there, there's some on this table, there's some on that table, there's some over here. But what if you could organize them and synthesize them? And would patterns emerge and pop? Because we know like, hey, Jim Collins wrote books like Good to Great and Built to Last by organizing data. And then patterns emerge from the data that he did not expect. What if we could do that for our personal lives and actually know, hey, oh yeah, that's what I'm meant to do. And that's what I'm a badass at. And that's what it will bring me fulfillment. And it will come easy to me. Doesn't mean it doesn't take hard work, but it will be easy to me in the sense of this comes in, this is flow. This would be impossible for someone, but it's easy for me. Nice. I like that. And I'm glad you say a sense of fulfillment because I think we sometimes, you know, we get told or we get too um, focused, you know, personally on trying to find the thing that makes us happy. And you can't be happy 24 seven, but you can do, you can, you can move toward things that make you, make you feel fulfilled 
and and satisfied. And I think that's a, a much better goal than, you know, attempting to be happy all the time because only people that are, you know, not well are happy all the time. Normal, healthy people are not happy all the time, but we can aim for being fulfilled. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you look at it, you know, what's, what's fulfillment? It's worthy progress or it's progress on a worthy idea where we feel like we're growing, we're stretching. You know, it's like uh, I have a, I have a four month old. She wants, she doesn't want to play every day. She wants to be, she wants to grow. She wants to learn her. She, it's more crucial for a baby, for a human baby's survival to learn than it is to play. So what's that tell us as adults? What if that's also true? Like we want, we can, you know, Viktor Frankl, when he survived Auschwitz and Nazi concentration camps, he said, hey, you know what? Human beings can survive almost anything if they have a strong enough why or a strong enough how. And, you know, if you have that strong why, which is typically growth and progress and hope for something better. Yeah, I'm glad you say about learning, too, because once we get out of the out of the structured world of either you know uh, high school or for some, those of us that went to college we get out of that structured learning environment we become adults and then heck we hit our, our you know, 30s and 40s and we we kind of stop learning and we need to you know remember that we can we can always be learning so let's get into it and and learn about how you can start to you know find those pieces on the different tables and start to put them together and you know how, how folks can think about that yeah, you know, funny since we both uh, have a real estate background. I was 32 and I was in Buenos Aires, Argentina, on a mini sabbatical inspired by the four-hour work week. <laughs> and it was my, you know, this is nice. about a decade ago. And you're 32 now, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I forgot about this. I haven't talked about this in any other podcast, but I remember being in Buenos Aires. And I was like, you know what? I have my third year in a row finishing as a top 1% realtor. I have my life set. I'm at the age of 40. I would have properties paid for. My investments are set. You know, financially, I'm my future is easy, but I'm bored. And I felt like my soul was going to die if that's all I did with my life. And like, there's something more for my life. And I, while I was in Argentina, I was on this quest. I, I flew to Buenos Aires with one suitcase of clothes and one suitcase of books. One day in, I was like, man, freak, and, and an iPad. The iPad was still pretty new. I had an iPad too. Um, <laughs> and I decided in my first hotel room, I had no place to stay except the first two nights. And I was going to find a place on Craigslist. But I decided, you know what? I'm going to leave these books here. And I just bought all the books on, on iBooks at the time. Because um, I was like, this is dumb carrying around a big bag of books. Um, but I was like, you know what? I got to find my next thing while I was in Buenos Aires. And it didn't happen. Five weeks goes by. But finally, about three or four days away from when I have to fly back to the U.S., I'm sitting in a Mick, Mick Cafe, as a McDonald's Cafe, the only, one of the few times I went to one of those. And I was like reflecting and thinking and trying to just figure out what I was going to do next. I'm in this Mick Cafe. And there's much better cafes in Buenos Aires than that. But somehow my aha came there. <laughs> and I'm there. And I'm like, ah, I am the engine of my business right now. No wonder I get tired. No wonder I'm going to get burned out. But what if I could design, what if I could architect a business and architect a sales engine of businesses that I believe in and that I care about and that impact the world, but I don't have to be the engine. And then I came back and started three new businesses that year um, while keeping my real estate business going. And, uh, and so that's like, it happened by 
thoughts and, and that whisper of like, oh, my soul is going to die if only I do this. I think that that really um, that gets that hits, to, I think, to the entrepreneurial mentality, because you're like, what if I could do this? What if I could build this? And then you went and did it rather than rather than asking, you know, what if it went wrong? What if I invested all this money in trying to build these businesses and I didn't make any money? I lost all of it. You went for the other side of, hey, what if it worked out? Which I think is really something that you know maybe we we tend to miss out on, right? Or, or we tend to make a mistake in our, our thought process many times. Like, what if it went wrong? But you thought, what if it went right? Which I think I, I really want to stick a pin in and like dig into that. If, if is that something you did consciously, or is that just kind of the way you think? It's kind of the way I, I think. I mean, uh, I think some of us are more rat wired. And as I've studied personality tests, you know, and I mentored about. 300 entrepreneurs through, you know, parts, if not my complete zone of genius process. And I see patterns. I can see it in conversations. It's like, it's like I can, I can speed read people and see patterns to some extent. And I can often guess people's wiring and I'm wired to be an optimist. Now I do think you can train yourself to be more optimistic or more pessimistic or more risk averse. Like I see the potential and I rarely, and if you look on my wealth dynamics profile, I'm a creator. I don't see the risk uh, as often. I've had to train myself to see the risk so I don't get burned as much because I've been burned. Um, painful experiences will, will teach you a few <laughs> things. Um, muscle memory develops. But uh, you do have to, like, I was listening to sports podcasts of all things. And Colin Cowherd, he said, hey, you know what? There's no billionaires that aren't optim- optimists. You cannot be a billionaire and be a pessimist. And that hit me. I was like, freaking A, yeah. You have to have such belief and such faith and such vision that you will defy the odds and you will take the setbacks and use them as setups and you'll use them as fuel. You know, you think of a of a Boeing 737. That sucker, do you know how much that weighs? I don't know, a couple of thousand tons. Close, 485 tons. Okay. So to get this, yeah, good, good guess. To get this heaping metal bird up into the night sky, it has to face something called resistance. And sometimes as entrepreneurs, and this is where the optimism comes into play that we were talking about, I have to have enough faith that, right, because it, the liftoff happens. Once one thing gets enough resistance that forces it up, but right, right before the liftoff, it's got a ton of resistance and nothing is happening. It's still on the ground. So it ha- you have to hit enough resistance that catapults you up. And if you look at Napoleon Hill and other success authors, they talk about most people give up just a step or two too soon. So you got to be a freaking optimist in, in, in some regards while managing the risk. So I wonder where, you know, I guess maybe it's getting into the weeds a little too much, but how you draw the line between, you know, you're working on this new enterprise and hey, it's, it's not, you know, maybe making money yet, but you're really hammering away. You have a lot of optimism that it's going to work out, but some point, if it's not going to work out, you got to you got to be wise enough to see the writing on the wall and and change. Like many successful tech companies, in particular, now are successful because they pivoted, they changed their their business model. Maybe sometimes, you know, 180 degrees or something completely different than what they actually did. So, I guess how do you run that balancing act of optimism versus you know also living in you know stark reality, right? Yeah, yeah, and then. 
You know, I hundred percent agree. And you got to like one of my favorite books is called just start by Leonard Schlesinger. He's a professor at Babson college was a Harvard business school professor. And he talks about that test pivot test pivot feedback, improve, you know, do that over and over and over again. And you'll minimize your chances of failure. On the other end, you got to look at a guy like Elon Musk, you know, he was SpaceX was on its last leg, like three or four times. Oh, yeah. They had, they had <laughs> the rockets blew up again. The rockets blew up again. Then he had to go and beg investors to give him another $50 million so he could go one more time. And they were probably in so deep that they're like, hey, if this project fails, what the heck is another $40 million or whatever, or $100 million or whatever he needed? And he was on the verge of bankruptcy with Tesla and SpaceX and SolarCity at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> And personally, he invested all of his own money in there. It was everything. He had to borrow money from friends to pay rent is one of his famous things, right? So, and his big vision was to help get us to Mars, right? Like how how crazy ass of a vision is that? And, um, you know, so at the end of the day, like, you know, you do your best you can to use wisdom and practical wisdom. But if you got a bold enough, crazy enough idea that just might work with enough creativity and and he just had enough resolve and certainty that he's going to freaking figure it out and if, even if spacex failed he would have come back at some point i believe so too i think he's he's a he's a super um unique person and he's built what four multi-billion dollar companies and just just uh yeah really has has swung for the fences now you talk about um our our strong areas and our our weak areas you use a slightly different terms for that i'll let you dive into it but how can we start to assess or understand our strong and you know weak areas yeah i call it your weak ass or your badass lanes and your suck ass lanes and sometimes i use weak ass too but you know, personally, it's true in our relationships and our marriages, romantically, business partnerships. But the problem, you know, the problem is in the middle class mindset, sometimes we feel like, all right, if you, if you want a job done well, you got to do it yourself, right? What's a billionaire think? What's someone with true wealth and abundance that thinks radically different? You want a job done well? You hire the best damn person you can freaking find and afford, or you find a way to afford them. You know, it's a different mindset. And, and it's because, you know, I'm a big sports fan. And so you look at you look at Tom Brady and the Buccaneers or Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. What did those teams have in common? They had people knew their roles and they had the right people in the right roles that were kicking ass at their roles. And they owned it. You look at bands, music, whatever. You look at businesses, Apple at its core, you know. When Steve Jobs was came back and he was still ahead of Apple, dude's bold visionary, pushing innovation. Tim Cook is the brilliant operations guy that streamlined their whole operations. Uh, Joni Ive is a brilliant artistic designer that's that's bringing out this whole uh, human connectivity essence that still is there, even though he left uh, a year or two ago. You know, uh, so you think of businesses when they flourish. People are playing the right positions. If we stubbornly try and manage our, like if I am a four out of 10 at something, maybe I can become a six with enough management, but there's enough things that I'm a 10 out of 10 on or a nine or eight or whatever. And if I just double down and do twice as many of those things, some of those might produce $10,000 an hour, which is one of my claims is like, hey, you can find your $10,000 an hour activities 
if you're intentional enough and look for those and then you can hire out all the things that you suck at. <laughs> I think that's very relevant to just to tie it to real estate here as real estate investors. You know, we, uh, you probably know people like this. I certainly know people like this and I mean, no disrespect to the, these folks, but people that buy single families and then self-manage and Unless you want to be a property manager, man, hire a property man. I don't want to be a property manager. That's why we hire property managers, right? We buy stuff too big to self-manage anyway. But still, I think in, in real estate, folks tend to make that mistake the most often. You sometimes see folks that will you know, do their own, re- their own repairs on the property. But oftentimes, most people, I think, know when they're out of their depth. But they see property management. They say, hey, I can handle that. And they're not thinking about they're strong and weak areas, and they're not thinking about their own personal dollars per hour versus the cost of hiring a property manager. So I think that's a big mistake in this space. What are your thoughts? I know you are a real estate investor. You know real estate yeah. investors. hundred percent. It's like, man, you got to find, uh, you, know, you know, why is the book called Think and Grow Rich? Not work hard and grind and do everything <laughs> and grow rich. It's not called do everything and grow rich. It's called think and grow rich. Be it was inspired by like Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford what was Henry Ford was on trial and they, he could barely speak English, couldn't really read or write. And they call they, they were just tarring and feathering Henry Ford about trust and different things. And then they really t- making fun of him for his intelligence. And, and then finally he said to one of the attorneys that is grilling him, he's like, and because he didn't have what we would consider rudimentary intelligence of everything you know, didn't know the U.S. history fully and all that. He says, you know what? I can call anyone into my office that knows more about this than anyone else in the in the country at any point. So why the heck would I waste brain power studying all this other stuff, you know, and just lays into them? And it was a brilliant piece of practical wisdom. And you look at look at people that insist on doing everything themselves, that you are just buried in a middle-class mindset. And you will never get true wealth there because you are the slave instead of the designer of your business. So, okay. So we, I think we've, we've really covered why folks should really understand the areas where they're, you know, a 10 out of 10 versus a Mm -hmm. four or six out of 10. The why is really important. I think the other, you know, aspect is, is how can we start to understand that? I mean, I know you talk about, you know, life experiences, how we can be informed by that, or, you know, how, how can we get started in understanding where, were that 10 out of a 10? Yeah, good question. So one simple exercise, I'll give you a couple of different exercises. One, take out a piece of paper, write out on one side of paper, on the side of the paper, life at the top. Flip it over, write out death. And then do an inventory of the last 30 days or the last week of every single thing you did, whether in your work or your personal life that brought you life. Like if having a nice glass of wine on the back porch with your husband or boyfriend or whatever, brought you life, write that out. If, um, man, I love negotiating the deals. I love finding the deal. That excites me. Or I love putting together the Excel spreadsheet. Oh, that excites me. Or I loved envisioning the concept of uh, a project. That excites you. Beautiful. Write that down. Then on the other end, on the death side, oh, meeting the contractors or meeting uh, potential partners or meeting with the banks or dealing with the finances or doing taxes or whatever, painting that brings you death. Well, that gives you some clues, all right? So then, and then you think of how our bodies are. Like if you take, if I take this pen and I put my hand down and I'm trying to stab my hand, guess what? I'm not going to do it. 
My, my body will react against, that's why we can't give ourselves needles as these, most people cannot. You have to bypass a natural physiological response to give yourself a needle, okay? So how's this, what's this mean in business? Okay, if I'm going into my, that's why people hit an invisible upper limit because they start doing, they have so much stuff in their life if they insist on doing it all themselves and they don't delegate and eliminate, get the things off their plate that give them death, then eventually they, their body physiologically starts hitting a limit of like, oh, I cannot do any more of this because I hate it. I hate it. Okay. So that's a clue versus, all right, if I, one of my goals with my mastermind members and clients is like, all right, delete the things that are on your death list, delete the bottom three, the easiest three, add or increase the top three or three of the things on your life list. And then eventually, if you do keep doing that month after month, quarter after quarter, you're doing more, your your business, your life gives you more and more life. And so like, man, more often than not, things on your death list are in your, they're not in your zone of genius. Like my EA, she loves checklists. She loves creating spreadsheets. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I, I'm like, I don't even want to look at it sometimes, but I, I, she is great at those details, but I'm phenomenal at the big picture, which she would hate. She would hate some of the things that I have to do. So then the, does that, that all make sense before I break down the four pillars of the zone of genius? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it does make sense. And I like that. It's not, I think folks are oftentimes I don't want to point fingers, but in this day and age, we're oftentimes looking for the hack, right? Where life's all about the life hacks right now, but I don't even see that as a hack. It's it's taking inventory of what you like and don't like and focusing on the stuff that you you like or that gives you life, as you say, versus versus death. So I like that. And let's let's keep going. Yeah. And the body doesn't lie. That's another thing that we forget is that's why FBI gives you lie detectors on your body, not your words. So let's go to the four pillars. They are the unique talents. Secondly, key relationships. Third, your defining life moments. Fourth, your uh, values and passions. So the combination or the anything that makes it through all four of those filters and that is in alignment with all four of those filters meets your zone of genius criteria. So, for example, I'm a creator. Uh, if I go through my, I take people through five different personalities for the unique talents. Plus, you you start inventorying other skills, talents you've created. So I am really good at the start of a business. I'm really good at conceptualizing, architecting out a business and strategic thinking. I'm glad to take the risk, all those things, but also tells you all, all your weaknesses. I hate managing the details. I hate the legal administrative side. So now I'm like, all right, Richard Branson doesn't start a business without an operating partner. I don't start businesses, significant businesses anymore without having the right operating partner in place that loves that stuff because there's, believe it or not, there's people that love what you hate. And, sure. and then, so that's step number one, get ultra clear. You know, it's an unfair advantage when you are ultra clear on where you're a badass and where you suck ass, then you can communicate, you can position yourself for success. Extraordinary people put themselves in extraordinarily right positions. Second thing, your key relationships, that hotbed, where, where do you naturally feel alive with these people? Where do you, where are your flames of passion stoked or your ideas just naturally generated? And then you have a cluster of relationships that are unusual for someone. We all have them. Even if you're like antisocial, you have some unique relationships. Third, uh, your defining life moments. It's no accident that Teddy Roosevelt watched his dad rail against corruption. Then he did the same when he was New York 
New York's police chief in the Prohibition era, uh, or before Prohibition. Then he did the same when he was president of the U.S. And we railed against those seeds were planted, defining life moments. And also our messes become our message or our setbacks become our setups or, you know, our breakdowns become our breakthroughs. So you look, there's so much in our life that is there, but the problem is we haven't assembled it and connected the dots. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm good at is connecting the dots. And then fourth thing, your values and passions, there's things that we are lit up by. And then there's things that make us furious. The things that we stand against, human justice, whatever, wasted human potential is something that makes me frustrated. Like I, you know, I can meet anyone. I, I used to, when I would meet waitresses or waiters at a restaurant and when I was 20 years old, I'd be start spewing, asking them where, where they want to go, what they care about, blah, 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 and trying to help them, you know, make some of their next steps. Even at 20 years old, <laughs> I was a bit irrational. Um, but what do you stand for? What do you stand against? And what do you have an insatiable curiosity or desire or that you can do all day long? There, those are all clues. And then you put them all together and it, like popcorn start popping, patterns start popping. And, um, but they don't start popping until you put them together. Wow. I really like that. And for my own business, as you mentioned that, uh, you know, looking back, I, you know, I, I, things I don't like doing, I don't like dealing with, with brokers. Sorry. I know you were at least were a realtor. I don't know if you still are. I don't care. Yeah. I don't like that part. I like working with the investors. So that's what we do now, but it, it, it takes time to get to that point and to, to understand what you like and don't like, or, you know, where you're good and where you suck. So, um, yeah, no, I, I love, I love all of that right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own and the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called Ground Floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Mike, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Hmm. In my wife, investing in her, helping her believe in herself has returned tenfold as she's believed in me in some of the toughest moments. And it's just a joy to see, see her flourish. Awesome. Awesome. Relationships are so important. So I love that. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? 
I could look at a real estate flip that I lost 250 grand on. Ugh. That was brutal. It was the only property I ever lost money on. Um, that's probably, but you know, at some point I'm going to be really grateful for that investment because of all the lessons <laughs> I learned from it. Uh, I'm Eventually. not fully there. I don't have emotional resentment towards it anymore, but, uh, <laughs> it's still sucks. So, Hey, that's a lot of money. I don't care how much money you have. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Wow. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? Most important lesson I've learned in business and investing, know your genius and stay in that lane. Like I cannot invest like Warren Buffett. I could, but it wouldn't bring me joy. I would be bored. I'd be so bored that I can't invest and create like Elon Musk or Richard Branson because that's how I'm wired. And if I stay attuned, true to how I'm wired, I'm okay. And I have a self-realization that I'm going to have higher highs and lower lows than most people. Because I'm I'm a creator. That means my my ride is bumpy at times. <laughs> and that that gives me peace as well. Knowing that's okay. I'll be good. Nice. Staying true to yourself. Well, I love it. Mike, thank you for joining us today. I think it's awesome what you're doing out there. If folks want to reach out, they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more or anything like that, where can they track you down? Good question. So if you first want to go deep in knowing your purpose, your unique pathway to build wealth, fulfillment, and impact, to find your $10,000 per hour activities, get a copy of my Genius Within book. It is the greatest, when you go through the whole process, it is the greatest accumulation of clues about who on earth you are, what on earth you're meant to do that has ever been created. Promise you that. That's my brand promise. Um, so you can grab a copy on Amazon or geniuswithinbook.com. Uh, or for a free six-step guide, you can text Genius U is in the letter U, Genius U to 474747, and you'll get a link to grab that free six-step six guide. And then uh, Instagram is the Mike Zeller, same for LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook, and uh, MikeZeller.com. But uh, always a pleasure connecting. Taylor, love what you're up to. Excited for this next season of your investment and in entrepreneurial career, too. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm excited as well. And like I said, I, I love what you're doing out there and we'll be sure to tag you in, in all the, all the places. Shout out to our, our social media folks. I want to thank you for joining us and I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple podcast five stars. If you don't mind, I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. It gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.